Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. Well, as you can guess, uh, today is actually, you know, I only do it every once in a while. It's sort of a topical, but we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. So we're going to be doing a lot of digging around, mostly in the book of Psalms, but we're looking at a few other places. So get your fingers ready. You may want to do some exercises so you don't strain yourself. Um, but we are going to be looking at some scriptures. And, uh, you know, basically... Uh, yeah, I just really felt this was a message that's been on my heart for a while. And I thought, you know, right in kind of a break, between we just finished Genesis, we're moving into Revelation, we have a guest speaker. I thought, you know what, this is the time to do a teaching on this. I just really felt that it was on my heart to do this. So I just pray that uh, you'll be blessed and you'll be encouraged, maybe educated this morning, maybe challenged. Um, so maybe you've said or thought this before. You know, I like the worship at that church. Man, it really moves me. I don't know if you ever felt that way. Hopefully you felt that way here. But, you know, maybe you've, maybe you've said that or thought that. You know, if you visit other churches, sometimes that's the first question. What do you think about the worship? Well, you know, that really moved me. Or maybe I don't like the worship at that church. Man, it was way too loud. Or, man, it was, it was too quiet. Or, man, they sang too many hymns. Or, or maybe they didn't sing uh, not enough hymns. Uh, or maybe, man, it was just too contemporary. I just didn't like it. Or, or it was too conservative. Or the songs are too wordy. Or, or there's too many repetitive choruses. You know, as a pastor, as a church, you know, we deal with those issues. And we have to ask ourselves, should there be drums? Some people have, you know, everybody's got an opinion, right? Should there be drums in worship or, or should there be no drums? Should there be electric guitars or just acoustic or maybe no guitars? Maybe we should just have a piano or should there be an organ? Maybe we should just have organ music or some churches, we don't want any music. It's just all acapella worship. Should we have an orchestra uh, or should we have just a worship band or maybe just one individual up here leading worship? Do we need a fog machine? You know, do we want a dark room with bright lights, you know, have more of a concert setting? There's churches that they do that. You can find them. Um, or do we have it like fully lit with all these lights and, and basically no frills? Um, should we have the volume turned up so loud that, you know, you can't hear anybody else? You can't even hear yourself singing. You just hear the worship music. That way you're not, you're not, you don't feel self-conscious about yourself singing. You know, nobody else can hear that you've got a bad voice. And so it's just like, ah, it's really loud. Or should it be so quiet so that, man, you can hear yourself sing. You can hear everybody around you sing whether they're off key or not. Should you do that? Or how about should we have an artist up here painting a picture all the worship music is, you know, it, there. You can find every flavor of that. Those issues in so many churches, at least here in the United States. I don't know about all over. Um, so really, you know, it's a question that we all deal with. What's the right style of worship? Um, what's the best worship music? How should we worship here at Calvary Chapel, Rochester? Well, before we answer those questions, and I hope to answer most of them if possible, we need to understand first what worship is. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. In the Hebrew, the, worship, uh, the word worship is the Hebrew verb shakak, shakah, and it's a verb meaning to bow down, to prostrate oneself, to crouch, to fall down, to humbly beseech, to do reverence. But the primary meaning of that word is to bow down. Um, it's, a it's a verb used to indicate bowing before a monarch or a superior and paying homage to him or her. 
That's in the Old Testament. That's the Hebrew. In the Greek, it's not much different. The Greek word is proskuneo, and it means to kiss the hands towards one in token of reverence. Among the Orientals, especially the Persians, to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. In the New Testament, by kneeling or prostration due to homage to one or make obeisance, whether in order to, resp- uh, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. It's used of homage shown to men and beings of superior rank. So it's kind of the same thing. You're, you're, you're paying homage or reverence to someone or something. Worship really, you know, that's kind of the technical definitions, but worship really, it's an expression of what you love. If you have your fingers ready, turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Worship is an expression of what you love. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. See, who or what we love, it does and it should consume us. If you really love something, it should consume you. David wrote this in Psalm 69, verse 9. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. In other words, it's consumed me. In Hebrews 12, 29, and it's also in the Old Testament, but in Hebrews 12, 29, we're told our God is a consuming fire. So let me ask you rhetorically this morning, what or who consumes you? Worship is really the act of completely giving over one's interests, desires, and admiration to some other person or thing. You know, we're going to be able to tell what consumes you. Either it's just obvious or, you know, explicitly obvious by what consumes you, or it's implicit. In other words, you may not even say, oh, this is what I love or this is what consumes me, but it becomes obvious by what your time and your devotion is given to because that's, we, we give our time and devotion to, to what we love. Well, hopefully you know this already, but God alone is worthy of your and my worship. Revelations 4.11, it says, in fact, you can turn your Bibles there, because we'll be, we'll be in Revelation here in the, in the next, for a couple of verses here. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. How many of you folks here listen to audio Bibles? Any of you do that? There's a few of you. Okay, yeah, I do too. I, um, I uh, Actually, I have one of those Bible sticks. You know, we do the, the Bible sticks for soldiers um, every year. And they gave me a sample, and I, and I used one until it broke, actually. Um, but I was listening to it. And they use the English Standard Version Bible um, in there. And uh, so I went through the entire, uh, as I work at night, you know, I'm, I'm by myself cleaning. So I have a two, three hours. It's a perfect time to just listen to Scripture. So I've been listening. I went all the way through the, the New Testament, because that's all it is on there, New Testament and Psalms. And I get to Revelation. And what really amazed me about that particular one, there's there's this one guy, his name is like Steve Johnson or something. He does the... 
he does or Ron, Dave Johnson, whatever he does all the a lot of the audio Bibles kind of you recognize the same voice over and over the English Standard Version. When they get into the book of Revelation, wherever it talks about people singing, there's music and people are singing. And it just blew me away because I started realizing there is a lot of worship in the book of Revelation. It's amazing. We're going to be talking about that when we get into the book of Revelation. But here in chapter 4, verse 11, here's a perfect example. Here's, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. See, God alone is worthy of our worship. For the believer in Christ Jesus, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus this morning, worship is not optional. You might think, well, it's not, you know, I just don't feel like worshiping. Worship is not optional. Near the book, or near the, excuse me, near the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, verse 9. John has received all these revelations. He's seen what the last days are going to be like. He's seen what he's had visions of what's going on in heaven. And there's this angel that's speaking to him. And, you know, John is overwhelmed by the presence of this angel. And he falls down and he starts worshiping the angel. And in Revelation 2 verse 9, the angel says, Then he said to me, this is John saying, Then the angel said to him, See that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. You know, that's also, we don't have to turn there, we're not going to look at it, but it's also Revelation 19.10. Two times John does this. He falls down to worship an angel. Both times angels are like, don't worship me, worship God. See, it's not optional for the believers. The angel didn't say, hey, you know, if you're going to worship anybody, don't worship me, just worship God. Okay, if you're going to worship, then worship God. No, No, he says, worship God. It's not optional for us. But not only is it not optional, it's inevitable. Worship is inevitable. Because the more you and I know biblical truth, it's going to cause us to worship God. The more you and I are aware of God's love for us, it's going to cause us to worship him. The more you realize God's plan of salvation and how he chose us and and how he loves us unconditionally, those things, it's going to affect you and it's going to cause you to worship him. The more you are aware of his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness, his majesty, his power, these are the things that move us to worship the Lord God. And the more you realize that, it's just inevitable. You're going to worship. It's, a, it's an inevitable fruit of being a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus taught about worship. And we read it, I read it this morning before we actually entered into worship. But John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. Go ahead and turn there. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. This is where we read where Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman. And he was speaking about, she's asking, where do we worship? And, you know, we worship here. You guys worship. You Jews worship in, in Jerusalem. You know, where should we worship? And, and, and Jesus, he, he starts talking about that, but then he gets to the heart of worship. In verse 23, he says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So there's three things that we learn from what Jesus said there. First of all, there is true worship. The fact that Jesus said mentioned true worship 
seems to indicate that there's probably also false worship. If there's true worship, then there must be false worship. There, you know, uh, there's at least the possibility, I should say, of false worship. That's the first thing that, that jumps out of there. The second thing is true worship must be in spirit and truth. And then the last thing, the Father is seeking true worshipers. So first of all, I want to look at that, the middle one. Worship must be spiritual and truthful. Uh, Philippians 3.3. It needs to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, not done in the flesh. Look at Philippians 3.3. says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. We'll talk about fleshly worship here in a few minutes. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, that's a very interesting passage because it says not to be drunk with wine. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then from there on, verse 19 says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So worship should be inspired by the Holy Spirit, not done in the flesh. And for you and I, God is the source of our worship. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. God's the source of our worship. Worship should be spiritual It should be done in spirit and in truth. What does that mean by in truth? Well, I think it means to be honest. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but also born out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, hopefully you still have your fingers in Revelation. We're going back and forth, but go to Revelation 14, verse 3. Revelation 14, verse 3. Here's another worship scene that's taking place in heaven. There's a certain group of people that are worshiping in Revelation 14, verse 3. It says, They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. That kind of intrigued me. Why is it that only the 144,000, when we get to Revelation, I'm excited, we'll be talking about that, but why is it that only the 144,000 can learn this particular worship song? What we'll find out when we go through Revelation 14 is that these are Jewish men who during the Great Tribulation, they finally recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, And it's going to completely transform them. And they're going to be evangelists for Jesus Christ during the Great Tribulation. And because they have this unique relationship with the the Lord, their worship, it's like only they understand that. Because they were miraculously protected and preserved during the Great Tribulation, their worship is born out of that special relationship with the Lord. And so for you and I, Our worship is born out of our relationship with the Lord. What has he done in your life? How has he impacted you? 
How, how, what realization have you come? You know, sometimes I'm reading scripture and, and, I, and I'll get to this one portion. And like right now, I'm going through the book of Ezekiel. I finished Jeremiah and Lamentations. I'm in the book of Ezekiel. And you know, you, you read chapter after chapter after chapter. And they're, 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 they're hard sometimes because it's just, it's like it's so negative. It's, so, it's all this condemnation and judgment. And, and it was due these people because of all these years and generations of, of, of falling into idolatry, not seeking the Lord. But one thing that I started, I, I, I'm like, you know what, I'm focusing on all this negative stuff. But what I started to do was I wanted to see God's heart in here. And over and over again, he reveals his heart. I'm doing this, but this is why I'm doing this, because he loves us. And, and as you, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm also I'm like, Lord, I, I see what your heart is. And Lord, I want my heart to be aligned with your heart. And so worship is born out of that relationship that you and I have with Christ. That's why worshiping God, it's, it's not only optional, but it's, it's inevitable. You're going to worship God. Our worship also should be honest in the sense of being truthful. It should be honest. Psalm 51 verse 6, David said this, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. And I think this brings up false worship, which we're going to discuss later. So first of all, worship should be both spiritual and truthful. And you know, sometimes people will have inspired worship. Uh, you know, it needs to be inspired and biblically sound. But sometimes you have people that are, it's just really inspired and, and it's just, it's, it just moves you so much. But you know what? It's not biblical. And I've encountered that before. Or maybe you'll have worship that is so, I mean, it's right on, it's liturgically totally correct. It's, it's just like, man, it's like you're reading scripture, but, but you know what? There's no spirit inspired in it. It's like, it's like dead orthodoxy. It needs to be both spirit, spiritual and truthful. You know, in uh, early 1981, I was, I was in the Coast Guard back then, and I was stationed in Oregon. And uh, at that time, I was not walking with the Lord. In fact, I was in rebellion, and I was, I, you know, I just was doing my own thing. And, and at one point, I'm like, you know, I grew up going to church, and I just felt like, man, I, I was lonely. And I was just like, you know, I want to go to church. And so I went to one church. Uh, one of the guys that I was smoking dope with invited me to his church, believe it or not. And uh, it was like, these guys were hyper charismatic. I was like, man, this is, it just spooked me. I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I didn't go there. So I'm like, what church is kind of like the church I grew up in? Well, I found this Presbyterian church. I'm like, I'm going to, that's kind of, kind of like the church I grew up in. I didn't grow up Presbyterian, but it was similar. I'm going to go check out that church. So I went to this church on a Sunday and they started doing worship and they sang a worship hymn. You'll never guess what the worship hymn was. It was neither inspired nor truthful. We sang, I didn't sing because I'm like, this is weird. Imagine by John Lennon. That was their worship hymn in this Presbyterian church. I don't know if you know what that song is. You know, imagine there's no heaven. There's no, you know, why can't we all peace and love each other and everything, you know. It's like that was neither inspired nor truthful. And yet that's what they were doing for worship. I was like, it, and you know what? I was, I was totally backslidden, totally not walking with the Lord. And I got, I go, well, that's not right. I go, man, there's something wrong there. And I, I got up and left. I'm like, this is, this is flaky, man. Even as a backslidden believer, I knew that that, that was wrong. So worship must be in spirit and truth. And then, again, Jesus brings up the fact that there is true worship as opposed to false worship. What is true worship? Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 17.1. Psalm 
It's a prayer of David. It says, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. What do you mean? How do you, when we're worshiping the Lord, how can we worship from deceitful lips? What did David mean? Jesus referred to this in Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9. He said, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's what deceitful, that's what false worship is. It's, 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 it, it's not honest. I mean, it's, you know, we can sing, Lord, I surrender all. Have you ever sang that song before? Can you imagine if you were being honest? Like, I surrender some, I surrender some, just a little to Jesus, I surrender. I'll surrender a little bit. I mean, yeah, if we were honest, right? Sorry, that's why I don't lead worship, because I don't sing worship beans. <laughs> I don't know where Luke got his voice, but it wasn't from me. Um, Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 31 to 32. The Lord's speaking to Ezekiel. He says, so they come to you as people do. They sit before you as, as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth... They show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. That's false worship. So we want to be true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. So now we kind of have a sort of, somewhat of an idea of what worship is. So the question is, what type of worship music is right? What type of worship music is right? And there are so many opinions and preferences. In fact, there are as many, probably as many uh, churches and denominations as there are opinions and preferences. And each person that leads, you know, each church that does worship the way they do it, they believe that their style of worship is right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. They honestly believe that their worship is right, their worship style. So they answer the question, what style of music, uh, worship music is right? Unfortunately, the Bible does not clearly define what style of worship music is. Is right, And I think that's why we see so many variations within evangelical churches today. But it's kind of interesting to me. You don't need to turn there, but Jesus taught in Matthew 24, verse 10. He said that in the last days, he's speaking to his disciples about the last days, and he says in the last days, many would be offended. Now, if you were to look at that passage of Scripture... What he's talking about is the fact that many are going to be offended at the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I mean, we see that today, right? You can talk about God, you can talk about religion, but don't talk about Jesus Christ. Don't talk about he's the only way, you know, the truth and the life, because you're, you're, you know, you're fundamental, narrow-minded, you're, you know, you're hateful, you know, all this stuff. You can't talk about that. But I don't know that that's necessarily the only thing that Jesus is referring to. Because look at today, look at our, look at our culture today. Somebody is always getting offended. You can't say anything without somebody getting offended. 
I, I know Chad and I were talking about that yesterday. We were working in here, wanting some stuff for the for the kids thing, and it's like you know, there was a there was a time, not that the, the things that people said was right. Okay, people people said bad things, but it's like it didn't become like a court case. You know, it's in like I'm, I'm I'm suing you, or I'm gonna you know I can't believe you did this, and you know it, it. People weren't offended quite the way they are now, but look at our society today. People are offended by everything. Maybe you're offended already this morning by something I said. It's very possible. Hopefully not, but why are so many people being offended so much lately? And and, and it's obvious that it's there's there's been a there's been a drastic change in our culture, and we're seeing that. Why is that the case? I think it's because of what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. He said, But know this. That in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. I think we're fast approaching the last days. I think it's a, it's a, it's a flag for us because mankind has definitely become lovers of themselves. Hey, you're offending me by what you're saying. It's just it's a sign of the times. Well, it's a spirit of the age, and unfortunately, I believe the spirit of that age of the age has infiltrated churches too to some extent i see personally as a pastor it 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 breaks my heart but i see a dangerous trend in worship today it's worship that makes me feel good it's centered around me it's not centered on god it's centered on how i feel i'm going to give you an example and maybe this is a maybe this is one of your favorite worship songs. And if it is, I'm not. I you know well, I'll explain later. But here's an example. It's taken from a worship song. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. You know, so far, hey, that's that's fine, right? But here comes the next part. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your presence. It's overwhelming. Now, I don't know about you, and again, I'm not trying to pick apart people's lyrics, because, I mean, you could pick apart my sermons very easily. There's a lot of junk. Or you could pick apart the worship lyrics that we do here. That's not my, my point here. But what's the focus? The focus in that, it's like, I can, it's like me and Jesus are sitting on a beach, watching the sunset, I'm laying against his chest and I'm feeling his heartbeat. It's, it's how I feel, right? I, I mean, that's how I, that's the picture that's portrayed for me. And again, if, if you love this worship song, I'm, I, I'm not even going to mention the artist, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to offend you. But honestly, what's the focus? The focus is on the, the individual. It's not on the Lord. Here's another one. And this one, maybe you know too. It's, it's. I think it's fairly. It's taken from a popular one. We are his portion, and he is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. Ha ha. I don't know if that's the way they sing it, but you know, so far so good, right? That's that's fine. But here comes the next part. So heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny, but 
I'm like, you know, the guy that wrote that or the woman, whoever wrote that, it's like, boy, they, sloppy wet kiss. I mean, I, I don't know. Again, there's a trend that I see in worship. And it's self-centered. It's focused on how do I feel? How do I feel? I mean, I want to be cozy. I want to feel comfy with, you know, I, I just want to be a comfy person. It, I, it's got to make me feel good. Jesus is like my teddy bear, you know, he's my, I snuggle with him and he makes me feel good. I'm being funny, but honestly, there's a trend that I'm seeing here and I think it's a dangerous trend. David understood the purpose for his worship of the Lord and it wasn't for David's pleasure. Psalm 104, 34, may my meditation be sweet to him. My, med- my meditation, it's God who I'm trying to please. It's not, I'm not, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. So does that mean we are left to wonder what type of worship pleases God? Because you said earlier, you know, that the Bible doesn't really say what kind of worship music is right. The type of music, I don't think it's as important to the Lord. I honestly don't. Because you can go to another culture, and another culture, they do drums. And they, you know, it's just, it's all drums. And you go to another culture, I mean... I don't think God really cares about the music, the music instruments as much. Now, some people would argue with me. They say, no, 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 you've got to be, just do a cappella worship, you know, or drums are from the, the devil or whatever. You know, everybody's got an opinion about that. So, but I don't think worship music itself is important to the Lord. But what type of worship is important to him? And there is a type that pleases him. And he's not left you and I to wonder what that is. He has spelled it out. Where do we find it? Well, we need to look in the book of worship written by David. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was a man after God's own heart. And he, along with Asaph, the sons of Korah, and a few other worshipers, composed the book of Psalms or written, wrote the book of, of Psalms. And in that book of Psalms, there's 11 Hebrew words in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, that describe the type of worship that pleases the Lord. And Each of these, we're going to be looking at references to each of them in the book of Psalms. And so I'm going to go through all these 11 words. And the verses that I point you to, that that word is in that verse, okay? So um, the very first one is halal. And it means to shine, hence to make a show, to boast. So we're to boast in the Lord, Psalm 34, verse 2. Go ahead and turn there if you would. Psalm 34, verse 2. We're going to be pretty much in the book of Psalms, so you can kind of keep your finger there for fast references. Psalm 34, verse 2. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. The word, so it's a halal, the word hallelujah, it's a command to praise Yah, the Lord. It's derived from this word halal. Psalm 146, verse 1, you don't need to turn there, but it says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. It's that same word, halal, to boast in the Lord. So that's the first first way, the first type of worship that pleases God, boasting in Him. The next one is yada, or yada. It's literally to use, that is, to hold out the hand, especially to revere or worship with extended hands. And there's several verses 
that deal with different applications of this. First of all, in thankfulness, Psalm 107, verse 8. Psalm 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Again, raising your hands, extending your hands. There's other reasons to lift up the hands. Psalm 28, verse 2. Psalm 28, verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. So one was thanksgiving, another one is crying out to the Lord, crying out to him. The next one is Psalm 63, verse 4. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. So that's blessing the Lord. Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. It's in prayer, praying to the Lord. Psalm 143, verse 6. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Just longing for the Lord. Paul in 1 Timothy 2.8 says this, I desire therefore that men, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And I always wondered about that. Why does Paul address men specifically? And I think I understand why. You see, I think women, generally speaking, have a much easier time expressing humility or submission or surrender. Us guys, we don't. That's just just like, you know, just, we don't. Now, You might be thinking here, man, I'm not going to raise my hands in worship because someone might think I'm weird or a fanatic. (laughs) 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 Got to look closely. (laughs) I wish I had biceps like that, man. (laughs) All right. You're a Viking now. I'm a Viking, yes. All right, next slide. The next word. Barak. It means to kneel. Psalm 95, verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The next slide. Zamar. To touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument, that is, play upon it to make music accompanied with singing. That's what was taking place this morning. Psalm 144, verse 9. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you. And then we also have these other scriptures. I'll just read them to you. Psalm 71, verse 22. Also with the lute I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. Psalm 33, verse 2. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. So this is, this is playing worship music, but it's also singing to the Lord, accompanied with words. That's, that's a type of worship that pleases the Lord. The next one. 
Shabak. It means to address in a loud tone. That is specifically loud. Psalm 117 verse 1 is an example. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. Raising up, lifting up the voice loudly to the Lord. Another example is Psalm 63 verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. That's that same word, loudly praise you. The next word, ta-da, not ta-da, <laughs> ta-da, an offering of thanks or a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Psalm 69, verse 30, Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. You know, sometimes some of these are mentioning a sacrifice, the sacrifice of prayer, or lifting up the hands as an evening sacrifice, or 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 here it's it's uh, Thanksgiving, offering a, a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And if you, you know, sometimes it is a sacrifice. Sometimes I'm struggling with something, and it's hard to be thankful. And and or, or sometimes it's like, you know, lifting up my hands to the Lord. It's like, you know, my mood isn't there, but it's a sacrifice. And it's pleasing to the Lord when we offer him sacrificially. And so I just, I notice that it's just, it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sometimes it's like you're, maybe you're in a tough spot. What you really should do if you want to just get encouraged and, 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 and change your focus is to start being thankful. What, what are you thankful for? What has the Lord blessed you with? And, it, and it, you'll, you'll start, end up worshiping the Lord. It happens every time. The next word, Tehillah. It's a hymn of praise. So see, hymns are in the Bible. Psalm 145, verse 1. A praise, which means a hymn, of David. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. The next word, taka. It means to clap. We were doing that this morning. Psalm 47, verse 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons, sons of Korah. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Here's the next one. Ronan, to shout for joy. Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And then just the next page over, Psalm 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Those words are shouting to the Lord. The next word, alots, to jump for joy. Psalm 68, verse 3. But let the righteous be, be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. And that word rejoice, it means to jump for joy. And I don't know about you, but I can't imagine myself jumping for joy in worship. <laughs> I had fun last night. If you guys want autographs, I'm signing autographs later on. You know. <laughs> you know, you worship what you love, right? And people, you know, maybe you don't do chest bumps where we were. 
but you know, we get excited. We get there. We get enthused about different things. As believers, we should be enthused in Jesus Christ or with Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. So here's the last word. Sheer. It means to sing. Psalm 96, verse 1 and 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. So we've just gone through 11 worship words, the types of worship. This is the types of worship that is biblical, that pleases the Lord. Well, how about this question? Where can we worship the Lord or where should we worship the Lord? Psalm 99 verse 5 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. So we've got to find his footstool. Where's his footstool? Is it in a church? Is it, in, you know, is it at an altar? Where, where's his footstool? I like what Stephen said in Acts 7, verses 48 to 49. He says, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. And what house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is this place of my rest? The point is, Wherever you are, he's there. If we're to gather together like we are this morning, corporally in church, that's his footstool. We're to worship before him there. He's here. Maybe if you're worshiping at home with your family or with other believers in a a home setting, you're worshiping before the Lord. In fact, privately anywhere, just you and him, you're worshiping before him. And that brings us to the last point Jesus made in his teaching on worship. The Father is seeking true worshipers. That's his desire. He's shown us how to worship him, and he's desiring that we would worship him. So when you and I gather together to worship God, just like we did this morning, we're entering into his presence some people feel like, you know, if the worship, it's got, it's got to move me, and then I feel like I'm in his presence. I mean, maybe you feel that way, but the reality is you're in his presence the minute you walk in here and you're worship, we're worshiping the Lord. He's here. He's here already. And he's observing how you and I are worshiping him. And both the Hebrew and the, the Greek word worship, it's a verb. It's not a noun. It's action. It's the expression of what we love. So when you gather together here with everyone in church or at home, remember this, our God is a holy consuming fire and he's present. And so worship is just allowing him to consume you. And so I want to encourage you this morning, whenever we enter into worship here, allow the Lord to consume you. Because that's what that's what just just the focus is him, the glory goes to him. It's not about us, it's about him. Why don't you stand up? And we're actually going to enter into worship together for a couple more songs here. I want to encourage you again, if if I uh, mentioned any worship songs that you were like, man, that was my fir- favorite worship song, and he just uh, man, he just messed me up. He's, that wasn't the purpose. The purpose is talking about the heart of worship. And so I want to hopefully encourage you this morning. Um, 
I did. It was fun doing a word study on all these these words, uh, having to deal with worship. It was very educational for me and very encouraging for me. And I encourage you, um, you know, check out these verses. I can give you the verses later if you need if you need a list of them or whatever. But I encourage you, do your own study on the worship, and then and then just come before the Lord and and, and participate. Be an active worshiper. So let's go go ahead and Lord in prayer, and then Luke's going to lead us, or the worship team's going to lead us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you haven't left us without instructions on how you are to be worshipped. Lord, you uh, have shown us what pleases you and how we're to be worshippers. Lord, maybe uh, we feel awkward. I I just don't think I could jump in church, or I just just feel funny raising my hands in church. And Lord... uh, we're not trying to be legalistic here. We're not going to look around and, and see, well, who's doing it and who's not. But, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be focused on you and that, Lord, we wouldn't be worried about what other people are thinking, but that we would be just worried about what you're thinking. And, Lord, as you are looking for true worshipers, may you find us this morning, Lord. May you find us that we be worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you, Jesus. And to you we give you this worship in Jesus' name.